You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. It is time. It is time. They can't be the Packers. Are you crazy? Welcome to the Packernet Podcast. Uh, I'm your host tonight, JJ Leahy, and I'm joined by two of our uh, esteemed hosts here on the Packernet Podcast Network. I got Jake Shavink, host of uh, It's Always Draft Season. We also have ChatGPT, host of the Packernet Podcast, <laughs> uh, voiced tonight by Ryan Schlipp, um, as usual, since they still have not merged Siri and ChatGPT. At which point, uh, well, we're all in trouble. Yep. What we're doing tonight uh, is we are driving the hype bus for players that we think are underrated on this roster. I, I put a poll up on, not a poll, just an open invitation for people to uh, cast their votes for players that they want to drive the bus for this year. And I didn't really uh, define you know, really tightly what exactly it means to drive the bus. But I, I think the best definition I have is that you are higher on this guy than m- most everybody else is. And you think that he's going to take a really big leap. Um, and so you are, uh, you know, you're a big believer. And we're going to talk um, kind of about what roles, uh, sort of breakout roles we see for the guys we're going to talk about. But I want to talk about uh, some of the, uh, votes that were cast by some, some of the audience here, a lot of, of uh, submissions just all over the place. I I think pretty much everybody on the roster got at least a single vote. Um, some of the ones that uh, I thought were uh, relatively interesting. Uh, Ryan, here's one that I think uh, I, I, I like the logic behind it. So Kenny Hansen on Twitter 
said that he's just uh, electing the entire tight end room. He said they got younger <laughs> and faster. Plus, J-Love already had a good rapport with Josiah. He says, I don't know if there's going to be one standout, but the position feels like it's going to be a more productive this uh, productive this year in the passing game. So I said, hey, can you just put your name by this and say that you think the entire tight end room this year is going to outperform the tight end room last year in targets, uh, receptions, um, not targets, yards, receptions, and touchdowns? And he said, absolutely. Ryan, what's your reaction to that? I, I think that's a relatively... I don't, I, maybe I shouldn't say safe bet, but it feels like a safe bet. Um, there was a lot of trepidation about all the negatives that were going to come from losing these tight ends that we had. And, and you know, if we want to talk about blocking or, you know, blocking, then uh, maybe we could talk about that being a, a little bit of a step back. But, um, I mean, just from what – and I know it's training camp, but just from what we've seen so far, you can tell they want Musgrave to be a major part of the offense. I mean, that that, that seems like – it's it's going to happen whether he wants it or anybody else wants it or not. So um, yeah, I, th- I think just from a yardage touchdowns, you know, the the things that kind of matter the most standpoint, I think the tight ends are going to play a bigger role, and uh, especially if you count them all as a whole. I mean, you you take Musgrave and then you add in Tucker Craft, you add in if you want Josiah. I don't know if we're supposed to call him just a fullback now or whatever, but um, either way, I mean that I think that group is going to be a bigger part of the offense than it has been in the past. Yeah, there were there weren't a lot of uh, targets going around last year. Uh, Robert Tunyon led the league or led the team in uh, tight end targets at sixty three, which is you know nothing to sneeze at. I think that was like third um, on the entire roster. But after that, yeah, fifteen for Josiah, seven for Mercedes, and five for Tyler Davis. I think Tyler Davis alone is going to be, I, I I would think at least over twenty this year. It seems like he, they're you know, setting him up for a lot bigger role than last year. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, and if you look at the yards from last year, I mean, Josiah DeGuara led the entire team with 245. So, again, the bar is relatively low. Let's talk about uh, Samari Toure. Uh, This was a, a popular selection by Twitter. Dylan Oakley said he thinks Toure is going to get 500 yards and three to four touchdowns and come in roughly around wide receiver four on the team. Uh, Benjamin Bricko said uh, Toure, in his opinion, showed great skill in the limited reps he had last year and deserved more chances. And so he thinks this year he's going to really show up. And then finally, uh, Marlon Schimmel is another guy I want to highlight. He says, Samori Toure is going to break out. He's the best route runner on the team. Any three wide receiver sets, he will get the slot cornerback or linebacker lined up on him, and they will get cooked. Jake, what is your uh, reaction to this um, Samori Toure prediction? Do you think that this sounds about right? Um, well, I mean, listen, from an athletic kind of standpoint, I think Samori Toure was a really fun uh, selection in 2022. Ultimately, though, like I think when you look at how successful – you know, Dobbs and Watson were last year. If you think the tight ends are going to be heavily involved, there could be a lot more 12 than we expect. But I do think when they're in 11, I just don't think like Toure has anything locked down at this point, personally. Um, I know that it was a lot of fun to see him, you know, kind of get under rapport with Rodgers on that one touchdown pass in Buffalo. That was really cool. Uh, not taking anything away from that. But like genuinely, I, I do think like Dobbs looks a lot better as a route runner 
got way better as a route runner last season. I think Watson's understanding a little bit more of how the route break footwork's supposed to go. And then they added Jaden Reed, who like is just tremendously quick and tremendously efficient. I and and I'll I'll even throw Wicks in there. I, I just don't think like Toure has definitively separated himself from anybody other than being like, you know, this kind of like it, he looks like he has easy speed. The athletic traits are fun, but I just don't – I'm not sold. I think I would have been more sold on Toure if they didn't draft three more receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they needed to fill the room out, but like, you know, second round grabbing a guy after you've gone second round, fourth round, and both guys contributed, to me that signals like, okay, you know, these day three guys, they're probably not going to get too much run unless somebody gets hurt, and I think they really like Jaden Reed. We're, I think we're going to get to that. Let's do it right now. Jaden Reed received at uh, least four votes. I'm going to admit I ran out of time before we started recording to gla- grab all the um, submissions by the audience, but I got about two-thirds, maybe three-quarters of them. Uh, Jaden Reed, this is uh, Derek Poole Nation. Jaden Reed looks to be the most ready wide receiver out of all the kids. I'm assuming he's talking about the rookies, yeah. but maybe he's just talking about the wide receiver room. They're pretty young in there. He said he brings a lot of skills. Uh, Eric Rivera said he wanted to nominate the whole receiving core. Uh, I made him narrow it down, and he picked Jaden Reed. said he thinks he's going to get 534 yards and three touchdowns. And then I'm not going to read this guy's – oh, whatever. I'll, I'll read it. Favre is a criminal on Twitter. <laughs> didn't expect uh, I'm not (laughs) he's not underrated but I'm personally super excited to see what happens with Reed this year what do we think Jaden Reed right now is uh like sixth on the first official uh wide receiver depth chart uh that was released uh earlier today uh behind Samari Torre and I think uh Dontavian Wicks and Bo Melton yeah so sixth Ryan, do you think that uh, Jaden Reed is going to start making inroads in this offense before week one, or is this something we're going to have to really exercise some patience with and wait for them to work him in more and more over the course of the season? Yeah, I expect him to be wide receiver three by week one is my uh, expectation. We'll see what happens. Um, the the depth chart did surprise me a little bit, but again, I, I think there's maybe some politicking and stuff going on there. Um, I have similar feelings with Lucas Van Ness. Um, especially when we started training camp and he was like edge five and I'm like, get out of my face with this nonsense. (laughs) There's no way. But, um, yeah, I mean, as far as some of the specific, you know, uh, expectations for yardage, um, we've had a couple people now who are putting some pretty lofty numbers on it. I mean, 500 is definitely doable, but, um, we got to understand if you're at about 500, you're probably wide receiver too. Um, so, you know, if we're, if we're saying Samori Ture going back one is going to be wide receiver four at 500, holy cow, we're, we're crushing it <laughs> on offense. But no, I, th- I think Reed is uh, he's going to be number three, and uh, I think he's going to be a big contributor, and I'm pretty excited about him. Uh, Jake, the NFL draft is kind of your thing. Can you talk to us about, um, you know, your observations of Jaden Reed at MSU and, you know, what you think – that can tell us about what he's going to be doing this year and how he's going to be fitting into the Matt LaFleur offense as a rookie. I think what's like, honestly, like truly exceptional to look at with Jaden Reed is I don't think you have to pigeonhole him, which is a really fun thing because I think when you look at last year, I think there's a couple things that jump out and I know it wasn't his better year. I think obviously 2021 passing the thousand yard mark, 
you know, being really a focal point on that offense. But I will say is, you know, for a guy who's, you know, 5'11", 187, 77% of the time, he was out wide. And when you think about those type of receivers, you think, okay, they're just pigeonholed to the slot. And a lot of receivers in the draft were kind of slot receivers most of their career. And then Reed was kind of like the one guy where, you know, they called him a little bit smaller, but he's playing outside against Big Ten corners, right? And and the other thing I think is big with him is flat over his career, contested catch percentage uh, is 50-50 completely. Straight down the line, 50-50 is winning the ball in the air, which for a smaller guy, I think you kind of look at that relative to others. You think, okay, wow, that's pretty impressive. Like, you know, for a guy who's 187, he's got to go above some 6'2 guys to make some plays. And they were giving him those chances down the field. Uh, his best, according to PFF, his best receiving area was deep, which is probably something you would not expect from a guy that size, a guy that quick, a guy that shifty, you know, as impressive as a route runner as he is. One of the very few guys on film who I thought was insanely good at getting open at goal line fades. Like, normally you're not getting open on goal line fades. That's not a thing, right? You're kind of like just positioning yourself to win. No, no, he's open. So, like, how dynamic he is a route runner, but he also can win downfield. I think he had a 95 grade on deep passes in 2022 and then a 99.9 on deep passes in 2021. That's just unheard of, (laughs) right? Those numbers are insane. So, and, and he's winning deep down the field with speed. Like he he really has the full package. And then when you kind of think about like, all right, the Packers, what do they normally like at receiver? Six foot 200 feels like normally where they go, especially early on. I know Toure was slightly under that at like 192. They were rumored to be in an Olave who was in that range as well. But to kind of get outside the thresholds for a guy, I think that tells you one thing. They love him. Like, they they love the player. And when it, this might be the closest thing that, that Green Bay's had to Cobb since Cobb was really in the prime years of his career as, you know, a guy you can depend on over the middle of the field, get open in a variety of ways, win downfield. I, I don't think there's really, like, a true weakness for him other than there were some, you know, spurts of drop issues here and there. Uh, but man, you watched him like catch the ball clean, especially that family night rep, right? It was just extending outside the window a little bit and make it play like that. Like, I just don't think the combination of he does things like in, in terms of winning down the field that Dobbs doesn't, he can get open at a high rate in the slot and on the perimeter. And whereas I, I think he's as multifaceted in terms of getting him the ball as Watson is just a little bit smaller, more diminutive. It, it just kind of expands your options within the offense. If they're going to be a lot of 11, I don't see why Jaden Reed wouldn't be out there with Dobbs and Watson. Yeah, super cool. Uh, let's turn our attention back to the tight ends for a minute because I want to get we, – we let off with the, hey, the whole tight end room is going to be great. I want to uh, hone in on just a, a couple of uh, individual dudes. I think Luke Musgrave probably is one of the more fun tight ends for us to talk about. Uh, Matthias on Twitter thinks that uh, Musgrave is going to really open up the middle of the field, which is an area that he says we haven't seen targeted in a long time. He's going to be crucial to extending drives. I'm wondering if uh, anybody uh, on this call feels confident in uh, putting Luke Musgrave in the top three or four most targeted players on the offense this year. Want to take the uh, over or under on uh, number three in targets on the team? Whew. I, w- I was ready to jump in and say, uh, you know, I'm comfortable with um, third, but then you add in, you know, you got you still got Aaron Jones and whatnot in there. There's a lot of bodies 
But I, I think there's a good chance that he could be in the top three uh, with it being Watson, Dobbs, and Musgrave. Tucker Craft is also getting a lot of love on Twitter. Says he may not be the most delicate route runner yet, as though he's going to become a delicate route runner. I don't know if they want a delicate tight end anyways. Uh, he's not, not the most delicate route runner that we've seen in Musgrave. Weird wording. But he has good hands, a lot of blocking skills, and great rack ability. He's a hard worker and a prototypical tight end build. Uh, Lynn said Tucker Craft has uh, great intangibles, love his drive. He and Luke will be the two starting tight ends before too long. Sorry, Josiah. If he gets playing tight, I think, I think it'll be an amazing compliment to Luke. Uh, he won't get the catches, but he will be impressive. I think we are anticipating that the path to playing time probably for Tucker Craft in year one is going to be as a blocker uh, just because they need a tight end who can do that. And, you know, I don't think anybody's under uh, any uh, delusion that that's going to be Luke Musgrave. It's just not what he is. Is Tucker Craft going to have an impact as a rookie? It's, it's not common for uh, young tight ends to uh, make any inroads for the first couple of years. Jake, do you think that uh, Tucker Craft is going to get any substantial playing time or are we going to need to wait till year two or three to see him on the field a lot? Um, you know, as, as one of the bigger Tucker craft fans that there was, um, during the draft process, you think I called you out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, the one thing I think that will depend upon that, I think is how the Packers are viewing Tyler Davis, because I think it's very clear that Davis is on the roster for mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, special teams blocking, that's a big part of what he's doing as well. But I also think, like, if, if they – if they're big on the fact that, okay, well, we want to be in 12 a lot, I, I do think that gives Musgrave, obviously, the front-running spot to be that sort of move F tight end who plays maybe a little bit more wing when they go, you know, double to one side and, and be that guy who's going to stretch the field. So if they like Davis a lot and they think, well – you know, obviously, I, I will say this. There's nothing delicate about Duck Tucker Craft, which is a great thing. Um, he he plays nasty. I think it's just, you know, he's making the jump from the FCS to the NFL. And that's a big jump to make. All, all credit to Watson for, for making a lot of things happen in that jump last season. But I think blocking against, you know, FCS defensive ends and NFL defensive ends is going to be a, a big jump for him. I think he can get there. Um, he plays tough. Uh, you know, he was a running back coming into college. He's very elusive after the catch. Uh, but I think it might just take some time. And, and like you said, JJ, it's just, it's not something that, you know, tight ends just burst on the scene and, and make a giant impact. Kelsey had nothing in his first season, nothing at all, uh, besides one game played. So, and, and that's, you know, a guy who's going to go down as probably a top three tight end ever. Uh, Kyle Pitts obviously had a thousand yards as a rookie. Evan Ingram had a big year as a rookie. Those guys, what were they? I mean, they were refined receivers at the tight end position, not sort of more multifaceted guys who are going to hopefully, you know, take a leap by year two, year three. So I think just got to temper him a little bit on craft. I'm still all the way in. Um, but I do think for more receiving types like Musgrave, they're gonna there's just much more early access to getting out of the field because of the skill set. I think Kraft can get there. I just don't see it in year one. 
We are working our way toward the players that we are going to be driving the bus for. But along the way, there are uh, a couple of categories of players that you just don't find anywhere in the predictions from Twitter. I think we had like 73 submissions. One is you don't see many old guys uh, in here. It's all young dudes. You're talking, you know, uh, three year three or younger on the team is is most of the submissions. But you also don't see any offensive linemen. There's only one offensive lineman who uh, had any. Oh, sorry, there were two. I forgot about this, the other guy. There were there were two offensive linemen who both received submissions, uh, but one of them was just a photo of Sean Ryan. So I'm not really going to count it. <laughs> Have you seen the photo of him? Uh, he's like on the practice field, like on all fours, doing like a sexy pose. That's the picture they submitted. Oh, so the nice. one, the one real submission for offensive line. Do you guys, uh, either of you, have a guess who you think it would be? I mean, Tom. Yeah, it's got to be <laughs> Zach. Tom will start most, if not every game, somewhere on the line. Says Rube Gray. He'll be 2020 Elton Jenkins-esque. My hope is at center, but I think he's going to make it hell for them to sit him no matter what position. I don't believe he'd be a great guard, so looking to see him at right tackle or center specifically. My contention has always been if he's the best right tackle on the team, which I think he is, then I don't really have any interest in playing him at center. I think we have other guys who can play center. I'd rather see him at, at right tackle if he's the best right tackle. Do you guys think that uh, he is going to win that right tackle job? And if so, is he going to live up to the hype? Or, you know, is it kind of one of those, uh, he's the shiny toy and we're, you know, not accustomed to the bumps and bruises and, and uh, uh, you know, imperfections that we're going to see as we get more of him? Yeah, unfortunately, I'm considering I was a big Zach Tom fan in the draft and was banging the drum. I feel like I'm kind of getting on the other side of it a little bit. The hype train has kind of passed me. Um, I like Zach Tom. I'm really, really hopeful that he can be uh, an elite right tackle, but it almost seems like the fan base feels like it's a foregone conclusion at this point. And I don't think that it is. I think he was good. Um, I think there's plenty of reason for optimism, but it's entirely possible. He just ends up being not super great. Maybe he gets kicked inside and can, can get a, a second chance there if it doesn't work out, but it's still a question mark. So I like him. I'm excited for him. I do think he's going to win the right tackle spot. I think that's going to be the case. How good of a right tackle is he going to be? I don't actually know. I wish I could say I was the biggest Zach Tom fan, but I think, like I said, the fan base has just blown right past me on that one. At one point, you were you were the biggest Zach Tom fan. I was. I used to be. Dang it! Then it got cool to be a Zach Tom fan. Yeah. No, I didn't want to do it anymore. (laughs) Ryan, were you the emo kid in school? I know it was a little bit before your time, but were you? No, no, it it wasn't emo. That was it was different. I I had the the big black baggy jeans and the Metallica t shirt, but it wasn't emo. Let's talk about uh, the two guys on the roster who I would consider part of the old folks group just in comparison to the other players who got submissions first Devondre Campbell not a huge surprise but he got two votes Tyler Dershel said that he's going to be all pro again I love this because it's a specific this is what I was asking for in my thread I said I want specifics give me the stats give me the postseason awards that you think these guys are going to be pushing for this is something real concrete that we can measure and say hey was your prediction spot on did you have that clairvoyance? Uh, Devondre Campbell, uh, 
little bit of a, a step back last year compared to his first year with the Packers. Uh, what direction is he going to be trending this year, Jake? Is he going to, you know, kind of be more who he's always been throughout his career? Uh, you know, is it going to be either just a repeat of last year or a, a continued downward trend, or is there, are we going to see a, any sort of a resurgence? I think it's I think it's going to be very difficult to replicate 2021. I think that is just you know something that is near out of this world uh, in terms of what the performance was. I mean, he was just everywhere. He every time the defense needed something, it was like okay, Campbell or I guess Douglas as well. Like it was like one of those two make something happen, please. And 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 he answered the bell time and time again. Uh Last season, I know he is. He has talked about this. He dealt with injuries, um, I, specifically one of them. I forget what it was. Um, I think he does bounce back. I don't think it will be to the level that he was in twenty twenty one. I think that's just asking a little bit too much. There just aren't many guys who put like multiple seasons in a row at, at you know at a position like that, like at that level. Uh, but I do think a, a bounce back is is going to happen. I think he's just so dang smart um, and, and just knows where he needs to be in coverage and in, and in the run fits. I just don't think like, you know, I think he's going to be more motivated than anybody. Honestly, I, I don't, I'm not sure there's going to be any, any single player on the team more motivated than him this year. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. Douglas is the other one. Like, honestly, like I, I genuinely believe like he is, he's ready to come back with, with force all pro. I, I maybe could see second team. I wouldn't rule that out. Uh, but I love, I love the bold, the bold play that that uh, this response was, but I do think I do think the bounce back is going to happen. I just don't think it'll be to the degree that maybe some people uh, will expect. Speaking of Douglas, I was shocked he did not receive a single vote. I thought you know with being such a fan favorite, you'd have you'd have some people who are like, "Dude, this is my guy." You just wait and see what he's going to do. But no votes for Douglas uh, with Devondre. What I was really disappointed with last year was the tackling. You know, the, the tackling is what made him so special in 2021. He was the best tackling linebacker, the second best tackling linebacker in the NFL. And that that part of his game, I felt kind of evaporated last year. And I didn't think the rest of what he did really took a big step back. It was just the tackling had been so special in 21. And it went to, you know, average to meh in 2022 if – the and you saw the whole the whole defense kind of sucked at tackling more than they had in 2021. If they can trend in a better direction in terms of tackling, I don't know that uh, you know the rest of Devondre's game fell off that much compared to the previous year. Uh, you know, I think that 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 having a, even close to the level of tackling he had in 21, I think would put him right back up there with some of the best linebackers in the NFL. Let's talk about um, – we did Sean Ryan and his his sexy pose. Let's talk about uh, <laughs> Isaiah McDuffie. This is a, was a guy that I was really close to taking when we were um, reserving who we were going to be driving the bus for between the three of us. Uh, Christopher Carlick said, Isaiah McDuffie always leads the team in tackles when he plays. I didn't fact check that, but uh, Christopher, I'm going to take your word for it. Sounds like a good stat. He has looked very good in camp thus far. I don't think he starts this year unless injury were to occur. But uh, next year, he may supplant Devondre if the Packers choose not to keep him around. I got to say, I kind of agree with 
everything that you just said right there. Um, McDuffie has been really surprising me a lot pleasantly <laughs> so far this preseason. And, and yeah, it's preseason. You get these uh, guys who just, you know, break out in the preseason and look great and can't do it in the regular season. But I feel like last year when, when McDuffie played, it was surprisingly adequate. Like you, you didn't feel like there was this gaping problem at linebacker and the, you know, likelihood that you're uh, the first guy up after um, an injury is going to have to play pretty likely that he is going to get some reps out there this season. I like having McDuffie on the team. I think uh, he and Eric Wilson really form a, a nice backup tandem that I have a lot of confidence in. I mean, obviously you don't want to be without your starters, but every team is going to be without starters at a lot of important positions throughout the course of the year. You could do a lot worse than Isaiah McDuffie. So um, I like driving the bus for McDuffie. I feel really confident he's going to make the team. Um, either of you guys have uh, any thoughts on McDuffie, positive or negative, that you want to either hop on the bus or uh, get out of the way? Yeah, McDuffie and Wilson, I think, would both be great ones to pick as far as driving the bus for. I think one of the only reasons I wouldn't want to is just because they, they probably won't get a ton of playing time. You know, there won't be a ton to measure. Fingers I wouldn't even crossed. know exactly where to, yeah, where to begin with with that, but... No, I think that's actually a good point. I hadn't really even considered, you know, Campbell leaves. It's certainly not a foregone conclusion. We're going to draft, you know, a first or second round linebacker. We probably won't. So, you know, you take a few mid to late round swings. And in the meantime, McDuffie's probably our guy for, for however long it takes until they find someone else, if they find someone else. So, yeah, I think, I think that is a good point that we may have, uh, McDuffie as the future at linebacker with Quay as sort of that number one. And, and like you said, I'm okay with it. Um, every time he's been on the field, limited action, but I've been impressed with him. He's extremely aggressive. Um, I think he, he plays, whereas some of the time you feel like Quay kind of left something in the tank, you know, like he, he's got more that we're just not seeing. McDuffie showed more than I felt like he had. So, um, no, I, I like both of those guys, special teams especially, but when they get on the field, they, they really don't feel like a liability. And that's honestly all I'm asking for as a linebacker. Is yeah, McDuffie. Oh, go ahead, Jake. I was going to say, I think it's a, a really good point to bring him up for next year. I think that's a, a yeah. really good shout for 2024. I really do. Other than, other than I think like the Eagle game, which again, containing Jalen Hurts and the run game that the Eagles present and the conflict that they present in the running game, that's, that's difficult for anybody. So it's, it's, I think it's fair to be like, all right, well, you know, that's, that's a rough game. You know, you, it, it's tough to deal with. Other than that, I think honestly played pretty well, especially as a tackler. Uh, I think he was just pretty much rock solid. So unless you know, unless they're next year, you know, they're bringing in Cooper DeGene to play linebacker. You know, then I think <laughs> you know, I think it's a good shout for for twenty twenty four. Are are all three of us Cooper DeGene fans right now? I think yeah, yep, <laughs> pretty sure. I think it's safe to say he's fun to watch. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last guy that I think we should cover before we start getting into our personal guys that we are driving the bus for is Aaron Jones. Uh, he had two submissions and I, I, at first I thought it was kind of funny that um, Aaron Jones would be a guy you would, you know, feel you had to drive the bus for like, Oh, I'm higher on him than everybody else is. But there is a, you know, perception with him being toward the end of his, of his career, just age wise this is roughly where you, you know, start, people are starting to expect him that you kind of feel like sort of any year. Now you're going to start to see that drop off. Um, 
Wisco Fanatic says this is kind of cheating, but Aaron Jones is my pick. He's criminally underrated in the NFL, and with Rodgers out of town, he'll be able to shine even more than he already has. And I, I think maybe the argument here is that the Packers are going to run the ball more without Aaron Rodgers. But I guess I have a little bit of a hard time, you know, picturing that Matt LaFleur, longtime quarterbacks coach, is going to want to shy away from passing the ball. I mean, I, I, I think that, yeah, Jordan Love is a downgrade from what Aaron Rodgers historically has been, but Aaron Rodgers wasn't throwing the ball very well last year, and it didn't seem like there was a notably heavier run emphasis last year. Ryan, do you have any thoughts on on Aaron Jones uh, breaking out in terms of usage? you think it's going to be um, – a, a an Aaron Rodgers effect that causes him to have a better season than he has had. Yeah, I think that's the expectation for a lot of people is Aaron Jones is finally going to get the Dalvin Cook carries, so he's going to break all the records, and, and we're finally going to show everybody what he's really made of. You know, the fantasy football people will finally know. But, yeah, I don't really think that's going to happen. Um, there might be a slight uptick, but, you know, I mean, they, they could have leaned on Aaron Jones at any point. You know, I mean, I'm not even talking about, well, we didn't run very much. You could have run A.J. Dillon or Jamal Williams less and given more to Aaron Jones, but they chose to go kind of 50-50. And a part of that is we want Aaron Jones to be fresh by the end of the year. So they're not going to cram 30 carries down his throat, you know, through the first six weeks just because we need to run the ball more. You know, I, I did hear some people say that maybe you'll see A.J. Dillon get more carries as a result of that. You know, we do want the higher carries, but we want to keep Aaron Jones fresh. So maybe there's there's that, but but again, I don't necessarily think we're going to be running the ball a ton more. Um, but if you do think so, then yeah, I think there might be a case for AJ Dillon seeing a, a little bit more of an uptick than Aaron Jones will. I think Aaron Jones is going to be on the same program he has been. He's going to get his 12, 13, 14, 15 carries, and they're going to do that until the end of the year. And then you see a slight uptick, and um, you know if we get into the playoffs, that's when you start to see more. But I I think it's going to be the same old for Aaron Jones. As a runner last year, Aaron Jones had his highest uh, running grade of his career last year, 90.7. Uh, didn't have any really more uh, attempts than he has had in past years, uh, You know, hovering right around the 200 attempts mark like he always is. But he did have the most yards of his career, uh, second highest. It's funny, you could say second highest yards per attempt, but that's because the uh, first is a three-way tie, 2017, 2018, and 2020, uh, all the three years. He had 5.5 5. 5 5, yards per attempt. Yeah. So last year, 5.3. Uh, he did have the second highest yards um, after contact per attempt last year. He was a darn good runner. Uh, the concern that he had there, number, number one, the touchdowns just were not there. They were not materializing partly because the offense itself, you know, uh, uh, on the whole wasn't that effective, but two total rushing touchdowns on the season. The fumbles were also up five total fumbles on the year. Very poor uh, fumble grade, 37.4. I think that would be an area for him to uh, focus on cleaning up, especially since that's not an age-related thing. That's just, you know, that's something you can fix. So I think that in terms of, you know, the production, Nothing really to indicate that he's going to go backwards. Uh, I like the fact that he had his best rushing grade, um, you know, of his entire career last year. I think he's still got another year or two left in him at uh, peak efficiency. 
So I'd like to see it. You know, uh, Travis Jackson was uh, the other guy on Twitter who nominated Aaron Jones. And he said that he thinks Jones is going to have over 2000 all purpose yards and 20 plus touchdowns and <laughs> will be in the Dang. MVP conversation. You know so, what? you know, what? save that for last. Because <laughs> that's Let's go. I appreciate the bold, the bold takes. I will say Aaron Jones third in rushing yards over expectation last year. That's pretty run of the mill. It's been him and Nick Chubb leading the way in rushing yards over expectation uh, for the last, I don't know, four or five years now, it feels like. So has he always been, you know, a really good running back? Yeah. I mean, and I don't think I see that changing necessarily, right? Like he, I think he had like 30 rushing yards over expectation against Buffalo who had allowed like minus a hundred before all season before they played Green Bay. It's like, it just, I think he's still criminally underrated and I know, Ryan talked about this last week, you know, with running backs and their value. I think Aaron Jones is honestly Green Bay might get it, be getting him at a discount uh, with that pay cut, with just how effective he has been. So, yeah, I mean, love the bold take, love the MVP conversation thing. That's very fun. I don't see the drop off either. I think, like you said, Jada, I think there's still a couple more years left in him for sure. All right, we're going to take a quick break and uh, hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, uh, Jake, you're going to take it away, and we are going to get into who you are driving the bus for this season. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Jake, we are each picking one offensive and one defensive player to drive the bus for this year. Can you kick us off uh, with your offensive player? Yeah, I'll just uh, reiterate a few things. I know we covered him. Uh, earlier in the show, but Jaden Reed was, was the guy uh, just because I do think like when I will say when they, when they drafted and the draft was done, I was like, Oh wow. I was really excited for Wicks and, and I still am. But I think the the more that like I, I brought this up earlier is like, you know, the Packers went outside their thresholds for this guy and it wasn't by a lot, but it was by enough to, I think, you know, raise some eyebrows, especially being picked, you know, in the top 50. Um, so that's, I think something that should, should kind of, prick the ears up a little bit and be like, all right, well, this is, this is real. I think. And, and like I've said, I mean, I don't think, I, I think there's Watson's really probably the only other player who's as dynamic as Reed is in the receiving room. I think you look at Romeo Dobbs is like kind of really, I would call him if you had to call anybody the X in the offense, it's probably Dobbs just because I think he is the guy you can be trusted to like, all right, it, it's going to be no nonsense. The routes over the middle of the field, you know, he's going to get into that intermediate area and win a lot. I think that's like the dependable type of player that he is. But like in terms of like, all right, we're going to give you, you know, th- this play on jet motion, you're taking this reverse. You know, you're going to you're going to do a lot of different things for us, you know, to kind of mess with defenses, give us the looks we want, see what kind of coverage or what kind of defense teams are in and also be a part of, you know, the quick passing game, intermediate and downfield. I think he's going to be a part of all of it. And I think, you know, still at this point, whose hands would I trust more, right? Watson's or Reed's. I'm not saying Watson hasn't gotten better, but I think Reed provides, you know, still that reliability, go up and win the football for a guy who's, you know, obviously a little bit smaller than everybody else in the room. I just think when you look at, you know, what Green Bay has has kind of committed to, and I I don't think, you know, we're going to see this, even if we do see a little bit of kind of run, 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 and chuck it down the field a little bit, take some shots, I think Reed's going to be a part of that as well. So I think any way you kind of sculpt the offense in, in your mind, I think Reed is a part of it no matter what. And I think, uh, you know, you mentioned it earlier about where he is on the depth chart. I'm not worried about that right now. I know Justin Jefferson was number three at this point when he was a rookie. And, you know, three years later, here here we are, right? So I, I don't – I'm not too worried about that. I think, you know, he becomes an important cog. Will he have – a sensational year. I, I wouldn't say that. I think there's just so many players who are going to get targets in this offense. Uh, but I do think like you're looking at somebody by end of season. I'll, I'll put this on there who I think can be two a two B with Dobbs. And that's, that's where I'll, I'll, I'll stick um, kind of the flag on for Jaden Reed. Ryan, what do you think about this pick of Jaden Reed? Were you tempted at all to take Jaden Reed for your player? <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I do think that's a fairly good one. The only reason I didn't is because kind of similarly, the, the hype train's picking up, although it is fair because, you know, again, you got, it kind of is just a cluster at wide receiver. I mean, I would say there's almost more hype for Samori Ture than, than Jaden Reed right now, which is a little bit crazy. No, but, but, um, I actually think that was a good way to phrase it because that's kind of how I'm viewing it right now with 2A and 2B. 
between him and Dobbs. And I, and I almost, I'm, I've been trying to force Reed ahead of him for a long time, just because I think he's, he is everything Dobbs is just Dobbs is just a little bit better, but Dobbs is just so freaking tenacious in the way that he plays. He's put in so much work, you know, the way that he's, he's able to go up and get the ball and fight for those contested catches, the, the work that he's put in with um, love. And obviously they have a really good connection right now. So despite the fact that I think Jaden Reed is just a more talented and gifted player, like he's faster, he's a better route runner, he's got better hands, all that stuff. I just think Dobbs has has established himself as the number two right now. So I can't do anything better than two A and two B. But um that's 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 kind of how I view it. At least, you know, let's say by the end of the season, I think it'll be Watson, and then you've got your two A and two B after that. I love it. Ryan, uh, you are up next. Uh, do you want to take your offensive player or defensive player? We'll stick offense. Right. Um, it, it's kind of hard with the whole hype train thing because it, I'm sure people will roll their eyes when I say who it is because like, oh, everybody's high on that. But I, I took Christian Watson. And, and the reason is, is partially because, like I said, I feel like the wide receivers have kind of clustered in the middle. Um, I think if this was, what, November of last year, I wouldn't be able to say this when there was a hype train by everybody. But I feel like it's really cooled off. Like Packer fans forgot. There was a time last year where everybody, including national media, said that like this this guy's a breakout star. He's going to be all these great things. And now it's kind of I'm even being told to temper my expectations. But um, that, so that, that's number one is I, I haven't temp- tempered my expectations since last year. I don't think that that was a fluke. And then beyond that, watching the little clips that I've seen, even, you know, I, I like to watch him even when it's like a Musgrave clip or whatever. I genuinely think he is a really good route runner, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. I think he's seen as just a straight-line guy, but you see the way he's able to do pretty much any other route, and I think he is really clean. His acceleration, especially you know coming out of these breaks and everything, I just feel like he is such a dangerous weapon. I can't guarantee that this is going to materialize, but um, I mean, the guy gives me chills when I watch him play. He looks so clean. He looks so... He just looks like a number one wide receiver. You know, you, you can just kind of see it with some of these guys where they just look different than than your, you know, average twos and threes or whatever. So um, and, and then the the final thing would be Matt LaFleur talking about his intelligence and just like I've never really I don't remember his exact quote, but something to the effect of like, I, I haven't been around a guy like this that is so freaking intelligent, his grasp of the offense. And that's important for a wide receiver to know exactly how things are supposed to go and, and, and what my responsibilities are. So um I did put together a little bit just for some specifics in terms of my expectations. Um, I did a little bit of this on a previous podcast, but so I, I, I took, I, I've been talking about his yards per route run as sort of the baseline of, you know, he didn't get a lot of snaps, but on a per snap basis, he was incredible at 2.26 yards per route run. I didn't use our wide receivers because it was kind of a cluster in terms of, you know, who was the number one, this out or the other, but I looked at the Steelers who had a rookie quarterback and two relatively young wide receivers, Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. If you look at his yards per route run and take Deontay Johnson's routes, he would have 1,387 yards. (laughs) If we do George Pickens, who is number two, it's 1,311 yards. And I said, okay, well, let's say it's not 2.266. Let's bring it down to two yards per route run and then go with the wide receiver two routes. It's still 1,160 yards. So I'm going to go on the very conservative side of it, and I'm going to say he gets over 1,100 yards. And then when I looked at touchdowns, I did something very similar. I removed anywhere where it was more than one touchdown. So he had three touchdowns in one game, two touchdowns in another. And I said, let's just make those one. If you take that and then still do the same thing with the amount of routes run, 
I've got him at 13 touchdowns, which is nine receiving touchdowns and four rushing touchdowns, however you want to break it down, whatever. But 1,100 yards, 13 touchdowns for Christian Watson. I think he firmly establishes himself not only as wide receiver one for the team, but one of the premier receivers in the league this year. I uh, I like your math. I really do. I looked up that quote by Matt LaFleur. He said, Christian Watson is one of the most intelligent players I've ever been around, especially at the wide receiver position. So take that, Devontae. Yeah. He also um, said wide he, he inferred wide receivers are stupid there. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> especially uh, wide receiver, let me tell you. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say this, but I feel like with uh, a lot of stuff we've been seeing on social media lately, it's the the – the running backs, uh, the really big name running backs around the league are the ones who are posting the stuff on Twitter that just makes me scratch my head. Like, how, how does that make sense to you? I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, why they don't Ryan, get paid. Ryan Heath, sadly, he's not one of my uh, followers on Twitter. He's uh, a smart fantasy football guru out there that I found. Put up a cool chart. Um, I guess he works for Fantasy Points Data. Uh, cool chart. This shows uh, actual fantasy points per route run over expected fantasy points per route run. Expected fantasy points per route run puts Christian Watson exactly in line with Amon Ross St. Brown and Devontae Adams. This is uh, solely 2022 that we're looking at here. It's not projected for 2023. It's what he did last year. It's exactly in line with St. Brown and Adams, but he outperformed actual fantasy points per route run over expected more than any other receiver in the league. He outperformed Cooper cup. Uh, he had almost 0.7 fantasy points per route run. That's the highest in the NFL. Crazy. This is a guy I'm targeting in fantasy. If you can't, uh, yeah. if you can't tell this is my strategy. Um, since <laughs> we, um, since we kind of jumped the gun and read some of the Jaden Reed, um, submissions on the Twitter thread before we got to Jake. We got to get caught up on the Christian Watson ones now. Joe at work says Christian Watson. Do you think Joe at work is uh, Joe the janitor? Just wonder. Probably. Christian Watson was my favorite player in the 2022 draft class, not just among the, the guys Green Bay drafted. Jake K says Christian Watson. Nobody is talking about how he might be good. He's going to be a stud and will go off. How about 1,500 yards and eight touchdowns if he stays healthy? I like it. Uh, there you go. Is that just receiving or is that all purpose? Maybe it's not clarified. I think you have to infer what you want from it. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. Do we think Do we think Christian Watson is going to have uh, another big role in the uh, rushing game this year or is he uh, I mean I, I, I noticed they're using Jaden Reed a lot in practice on those end rounds and jet sweeps and stuff I mean is this just kind of what Matt LaFleur is doing to work in his second round wide receivers or is he still going to use Christian Watson like that this year I think what's really interesting and I wanted to really hit on this as well like what, what Ryan talked about is getting better as a route runner and I think that has kind of stemmed from how elusive and flexible he looks changing direction while maintaining speed, especially at North Dakota state when he was, you know, being used in the jet motion stuff. And, and, you know, they were asking him to make plays after the catch. And I think that level of flexibility, right. While maintaining that speed is like something that, you know, as soon as he gets, you know, further integrated into 
how to approach things as a route runner, it's going to get better. Now, back to what you were talking about. I think it's hard to argue with the results when he's getting the ball <laughs> in in these situations. Like, I mean, he, you know, you give him one, uh, you know, in the Minnesota game, it just it looks like he's just running at a different speed than everybody else on the dang field. Like you give him, you know, the ball against New England. It looks easy. You give him the ball against Chicago. It looks so easy where he's just outrunning everybody. And I know it was on a passing play, but the Philly touchdown. It's like you just when a guy can get to the corner faster than everybody, maintain that speed on a curvilinear track, and then just out sprint people to the end zone. There's just absolutely no way you you can't you know give him the ball in some of these scenarios because I mean, you know, Alan Lazard's not here anymore to take those jet sweeps, you know, and key down. So you know, might, might want to be Watson in, in this in, in those scenarios. I just think there's just the results speak for themselves and. I do agree with kind of what you said, JJ. I think it's just more of getting Reed involved, and I think Reed can be a part of that. But I think what makes this offense a ton of fun is that Reed and Watson can both be used in those situations. Mm -hmm. And if Watson's getting better as a route runner, that means now you have two players who are pretty interchangeable uh, in terms of how they're positioned within the offense, which makes it uh, even more difficult for defenses to handle. What I would really like to see for Christian Watson – is one of my uh, concerns last year was, you know, with his slight frame, it seemed like it didn't take a lot to bang him up. I'd like to see a little more muscle on him this year, see if he can, you know, kind of roll with some of those punches a little bit more. I, I think he has the frame to carry, you know, more bulk, more muscle, um, you know, be able to take those hits. And, you know, at that point, I mean, you see a, a lot of other um, Packers analysts trying to project Christian Watson as just a continuation of MVS, you know, as that Z receiver. And I'm like, I kind of just want to see him as our X, you know, and I know that, um, you know, looking at uh, what he did last year, I think he laid a, a lot of good um, groundwork for that, but he has that big frame. You know, he, he's not just a, a speed demon, um, you know, tall, uh, you know, lanky. I, I think that he has that frame. He could carry more of that muscle and and box guys out. Um, and I, I would like to see that largely so that we can see him on the field, you know, for the whole year as opposed to, you know, he, he missed time twice last year due to injury. I think that that was, um, you know, by far the biggest negative that we had from Christian Watson's, you know, really awesome rookie season was just that, hey, two different times, um, we're we're missing him for, uh, you know, an extended period of time, you know, both in the in the preseason and during the regular season, due to uh, you know just injuries that he's sustaining. I'd like to see that be a thing of the past. So that's that's the step I'd like to see him take. I loved what he did on the field last year, and you know, to your point, really love you know seeing how quickly. Just it's it's crazy watching how fast he has been developing. Um, you know, since he got to the league from, a, you know, little FCS school and now he's not just playing and hanging with them with the big boys, he's making them look silly. <laughs> so I love that. I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the intelligence that Gutekunst and LaFleur praise so often, I think that shows up on the field when you just look at how quickly he is getting better by leaps and bounds. How about this for a prediction? Since you brought up the whole Watson or Reed, who's going to be running it? How about both on the same play on a reverse? How about that? 
Give it to Reed. Reed gives it to Watson Fly in the other direction. Oh, man. Huh? Mark me down for that one as a prediction. Man. Uh, broken ankles all over the field. Yes, sir. I'm going to take my offensive player now, and I was really torn. I Actually, we were about uh, three or four minutes into the podcast when I finally decided who I was going to go with between these two guys. I'm actually taking A.J. Dillon as my guy that I'm driving the bus for, and I, I think it's a really easy case to make. He was the second highest graded player on the Packers offense last year behind Aaron Jones. His rushing grade, 88.1, just behind Aaron Jones's. Um, he had uh, about 25, about 30, 30 fewer attempts than Aaron Jones on the year and uh, about 400 fewer yards, more touchdowns, less fumbles. A lot of people are frustrated with A.J. Dillon, and I think that some of that probably stems from the fact that he wasn't getting used a lot early on in games. He was you know, kind of more of the finisher when they were finishing games, which wasn't often. Um, and then the drops in the receiving game, I think were a frustration for a lot of people. He had five drops, you know, and some of those really came in, in some frustrating moments. So I think that, I, I think that the sort of uh, fan base wide disappointment and disillusionment with AJ Dillon is not wholly justified. I think he had a lot better year than most people give him credit for. Now he did not crack 800 yards. I think this year, you know, it's a contract year for him. He's not a first round pick, so you don't get that fifth year option for him. Um, you know, next year, he's, uh, or sorry, this year he's going to be playing on that that fourth year, and he's looking for a big payday. And I think that the Packers, you know, they're they're allocating a lot of money to Aaron Jones right now, and they're paying. I think I think the Packers are still the team that is paying the most money to the running back position in the league this year. Uh, I know for sure they were last year. They're not going to want to give a big payday to A.J. Dillon if they don't think that he's the future. And I think A.J. Dillon is going to really set out to prove that he is the future of the running back position in Green Bay. So I'm looking for that contract year boost. I think that a 1,000 yards is a very attainable goal. But I'm looking for him to smash that. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say 1,200 yards for AJ Dillon. I think he's gonna have more carries uh, than Aaron Jones. So those are my two predictions for him. And I think that uh, by the end of the year, although I'm not expecting any statistical um, or performance based drop off for Aaron Jones, I'm looking for AJ Dillon to steal work from Aaron Jones. He's got the big body to do it. I think that, uh, you know, Aaron Jones does not need as many carries as he gets, <laughs> frankly, yeah. these last couple of years. So um, I would like to see A.J. Dillon be that bell cow back. I'm calling 1,200 yards uh, and uh, more rushing attempts than Aaron Jones this year. And he's only 30 off uh, last year. He had uh, 185 attempts, and Jones had like 214. So I think that that's – uh, very doable. So, AJ Dillon, do you guys think that I'm crazy for uh, my 1,200 yard prediction? And uh, you know, do you, do you do you think that this is a a good pick or a silly pick? Dillon's a great pick. 1,200 is bold. That's what I'll say. <laughs> I I will say I think 
to go back to what you said, I think there's negative discourse around AJ Dillon. And I'll put my hand up. I'm definitely one of those people because of where he was drafted. And I think I, I'll put my hands up. It's me. I'm I'm the, I'm the one of the callers in that scenario for sure, and have been for for a couple seasons now. I'll admit it. Um, and that has been totally incorrect and uh, just absolutely egregiously terrible take from me. Um, I'll admit it. Uh, but I will say, I mean. 0.27 uh, rushing yards over expected per attempt. That's 17th in the league. That's pretty darn respectable for an RB2 uh, behind Aaron Jones. 1,200 is uh, – it's out there. I will say I have probably made – 1,000 uh, feels really attainable, doesn't it? Depending on how the offense looks, yeah, I I, I do think so. I 1,000 definitely feels like it could be. I, will they be in more, you know, 21 perhaps? You know, will they have both of them out there? Are they – I think justifiably trusting Aaron Jones more as a receiver. I think so. I mean, when you look at the time that Jordan Love was out there, you know, they're running stick with Aaron Jones running a vertical in that stick concept. Like that was one of the plays, you know, Jordan Love gets uh, against Philly. So I think they trust jo- uh, Jones more as a receiver. And, you know, if if they're really hesitant on playing through receivers, you know, we might get to see, you know, a little bit of action with both of them out there. And that might favor Dylan in terms of obviously, you know, stuff on the ground. But obviously he is, I think, honestly – probably only hasn't lived up to the billing of a second round pick only because Jones is there. I think that's really the only reason. Otherwise I think that a lot of people would, would be coming around on him a lot more. Would you guys give this to me on a technicality? If Dylan's receiving yards, put him over 1200 because he had 206 receiving yards last. Time. I was going to ask sure. if you're going yeah. on purpose or not. That's I was going to ask that once you said it, that makes sense. All right. That's I'm, what you I'm, meant. Uh, I get it. Yeah. That's I, <laughs> I'm glad that you guys finally understand what I clearly was saying. <laughs> We're so stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I totally forgot to mention uh, last year, Jones had a 70.3 pass blocking grade as well. I think that's, you know, criminally underappreciated. You know, when you're looking at just the stuff <clears throat> people, you know, say about Dylan, I mean, that there genuinely are Packer fans that I have talked to who are talking about, dude, like this is clearly Dylan's last year with the team you know, maybe you should try and flip them for, you know, like a fourth round pick or something. And a lot of folks are ready to move on from him. And I, I don't get it. I think that he, I think he played really well last year. You know, it, it was not the year three leap that we were looking for, for sure. Um, you know, and, and then the fact that you have Aaron Jones there, who I think a lot of us, myself included, were really hoping you were going to see AJ Dillon become RB one last year, in his third year. And, you know, unfortunately for AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones just played out of his mind, and <laughs> it's hard to catch a guy uh, who starts out ahead of you and is a freak and is working his butt off. Um, so, uh, anyways, there we go. So, let's uh, flip it back to who went first? Jake, you went first. So, you have your defensive player left. I, I guess all three of us have defensive players left. So, take it away, Jake. Okay. So, I'm going to, I think, ride for somebody. I, I feel like he's probably not being talked about a lot because of kind of the approach Green Bay's had in the last couple drafts. And I'll explain, I think, why that's maybe favors this guy a little bit. But I'm going to go, I'm going to go with TJ Slayton, uh, as the guy I'm going to drive the bus for. And I think it really, for me, uh, came down to, uh, when JJ, when you brought up this idea, I was like, all right, I got to figure out who the heck I'm going to pick on defense. I, it just felt like trending towards both Georgia defenders was 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 an easy call and I think a fine call to make. I, I really do. I think both are really, really great candidates. But I, I think pointing a, a few things out uh, schematically 
is is why I'm going to lean Slayton as my guy here. Um, I think the first thing is is how effective Green Bay's defense was when they got into the third and six, third and seven, third and eight type of things where they could just unload on on, on people with pressure. You know, they they get in the face of receivers. There was a lot of just disruption all over the field, and that made them one of the better you know above average third down defenses. How do you get there? How do you get to that point? You have to stop early down success rate. And unfortunately for Green Bay, that comes on the ground, and it has for a long time. And really, I think what makes me even more, I think, high on, on a guy like TJ Slayton is just the approach in the draft for the Packers the last couple of years. They had opportunities. There were plenty of, like, one-text nose tackles they could have selected. Instead, where have they gone? They've gone uh, Enigbare, Wyatt, Brooks, Wooden, Lucas Van Ness, all guys who are primarily pass rushers at heart that can kind of move around a little bit on the defense. What they still, you know, kind of lacked, and a lot of people were like, all right, well, are we going to go this way in the draft at all? You know, look at a guy like, you know, oh, if Jordan Davis falls, would they take a player like Jordan Davis? You know, Travis Jones was the other guy in that in that 2022 draft who a lot of people were like, all right, this is the one tech, the nose tackle that you want to have, you know, if you're in the mid-rounds, if you want the discount Jordan Davis. Last year, there was a lot of talk, you know, Mozzie Smith, tremendous athlete. He fits the bill because Ika doesn't because Ika's not a great athlete. Gutekunst loves the, the, the big-time athletes no matter the position. Are they going to go get Mozzie Smith? They didn't. They really haven't added anybody. And I know that, that Barry wants to get to the point where they can just unload with a rotation of guys getting after the quarterback. Where does that start? Like I said, coming back full circle, it starts with stopping early down success rate. I think TJ Slayton is going to make the strides to, to help them do that. He's probably not going to have, you know, the massive amount of snaps that other guys are going to have. Truthfully, it, it, uh, on the season, I think he had, let's see, 333 last year. That's that's well down the list. But I will, with the prediction, uh, say that he is a top five graded defender this year for the Packers. Top nice. five in grade for the Packers this year. Because I think, I think it's just... I think we should listen to like, all right, they have just haven't added anybody at this specific position. Now I know schematically it isn't, you know, it doesn't trend to what they like to do, but I think Slayton is going to be crucial if this defense is going to take a step because they have to get better on first and second down. And I think Slayton, you know, when you look at him, you know, last year, I think there were some bright spots. There's still inconsistencies, no doubt about it, especially honestly in, Somewhat of the tackling department, especially early in the season, there were some bad some bad games tackling wise. But I think there's a little bit to unlock as a pass rusher. I think he got a lot better uh, in terms of the bull rush, in terms of where he leveraged his hands in the bull rush. It looked a lot cleaner. It looked a lot cleaner with him shedding blocks. I think he's just really honing technique a little bit better as the season went on, and he got a little bit of you know a little bit on a heater the last like six or so games of the season, maybe minus the the, the Rams game. I think there's stuff to unlock. I think I'm going to call it here. He doubles his pressures. Uh, he had five uh, last season, which is, you know, I mean, it's it's a nose tackle. You don't normally see those guys pressuring the quarterback at a high rate. I'm going to say he doubles the pressures uh, to 10. And I think, like I said, I think he's going to be a big focal point uh, in what they do uh, on early downs. Ryan, any thoughts on the uh, TJ Slayton pick? I will note TJ Slayton received zero fan votes. Um, as I've been poking around and as he's been talking, I'm, I'm feeling more and more like that makes a lot of sense. And I, I feel like, um, I've been pretty low on Slayton for a while. And I think it's mostly because the fan base has been so extreme in the, like, this guy is going to be great. 
Um, you know, he's a fifth round pick and everybody's telling he's, he's a fifth round pick. That's 330 pounds. Everyone's telling me he's going to be a premier pass rusher. So immediately I just check out and I'm like, forget it. This guy, you know, it ain't going to be a thing, but the same case for Slayton can be made for Myers, which I know nobody on the planet is making because nobody likes Myers, but Myers made a big jump from year one to year two, whether nobody noticed it or not. And he's going into year three, which is the big year where everybody supposedly figures things out. Slayton went from a 44 run defense grade to a 62 grade. If you just look at the 62, it's like, no, he's not that good. That's a big jump. If he makes that same jump, he's in the 80s. I'm not saying he's going to. Then, like you mentioned, his tackling was, I mean, he had a horrible 34 tackling grade. That was just because of two games, week five and week one. So like you said, after that, he was fine. He didn't have any issues tackling. And I, I wanted to look at it. I, I'll, I'll, I'll do it later. I'll probably investigate this more after we're done. But after week seven, he was solid. He had one bad game. He had pretty much 70s almost the entire time after that in week seven. So, um, yeah, that's that uh, that makes sense that I'm 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 on board. I hate to admit it, but I'm on board. He might have had a better right, pick than me. Darn it. <laughs> Let's find out who your pick is, because you are up next. Yeah. So I went with Lucas Van Ness. Um Again, kind of iffy on where I am compared to the rest of the fan base, but it does feel like considering he's a first-round pick, there isn't as much hype. I mean, you hear about Musgrave, you hear about all these other guys. Nobody's really talking about Van Ness as much as you would expect considering his what he is and everything. Um, but I think I really became a big believer in Lucas Van Ness when I saw, and I know it's just a couple clips, but when I got to watch him on those family night clips and, and a few other of the practice clips, holy cow. Like not only, I mean, we knew he was powerful, right? And you saw that immediately. I mean, he, he made Zach Tom look like a little boy. He just pushed him around like he was nothing, but the, the fluidity, like he's, he's pretty loose for, I mean, he's, so he's, he's massive compared to the other guys when you watch him stand there, but then you see how quick he moves kind of similar to Christian Watson, where you watch him and go, that just looks like a really good pass. That looks like a number one pass rusher. When I saw Van Ness and, and you know, again, you see the other guys, you see Kingsley. I like Kingsley and all that. He doesn't look like that in any way shape or form you see hollands hollands doesn't look like that right he's trying you know he's doing the whole like he's trying to get around him he's trying lucas van ness he's faster he's more agile and he just pushes people out of his way so i um i'm all in we'll see when when training camp comes on maybe maybe it'll lose a little bit of that luster but um i actually think even though he's probably going to remain edge three because he's not going to edge out preston or rashawn he may get a little bit of an uptick if rashawn's on kind of a snap count We'll see. I do expect him to be edge three, um, probably by week one. If he's not, I'm just going to be freaking annoyed because I know it's garbage and nonsense. But I'll say this as far as my prediction. It's the best I can do because we don't have any stats to work with. He's going to have a better rookie year than Rashawn. And I don't just mean that in terms of, of his stats because Rashawn didn't play much. His grades are going to be higher. His pressure rate's going to be higher. Rashawn had a 54 grade and he had rated about a 10% pressure rate, which actually isn't bad for rookies. If you look at a lot of the other guys, that's kind of where they're at. I'm going to say it is above 11%. And so if you look at where Kingsley and Igbari was, he had 255 snaps. He would be around 30 pressures if that was the case. Um, so that that's kind of what I'm gunning for, somewhere around 11 or higher percent. And I, I think he's going to be kind of getting near that 70 PFF grade as a rookie. I'm all about this because uh, Lucas Van Ness, although my heart said that I wanted (laughs) Jackson Smith and Jigba in the draft, my draft board said otherwise. My draft board had Lucas Van Ness as the number one best prospect in the entire 2023 NFL draft. So 
I am beyond thrilled that he's here. And I think that he has the physical skills and the, you know, tools in his arsenal of, you know, talents that he has learned to be an impact this year. I'm all about this. I'm absolutely thrilled that we not only have him here, but that we are in a very different spot than we were in 2019. You know, it's, it's like a blessing in disguise. Hey, we don't have, you know, this uh, dynamic duo of Zedarius and Preston or even Rashawn and Preston uh, blocking Lucas Van Ness. Okay. We have a huge opportunity here for Lucas to go out in year one as early as week one and make a name for himself. So, um, you know, not being blocked uh, by guys ahead of you can be an awesome thing. So I'm, I'm really excited for Lucas. I'll even, I'll, I'll, I'll go one further. Um, I think if there was, if he had the chance to start this year, he would a hundred percent get uh defensive rookie of the year votes. I, I believe that. Uh, I, I just think, yeah, the path is really unfortunate for him. He's kind of oh. basically in the same position. He was at Iowa. Um, there are just <laughs> guys ahead of him. Now I think, you know, the Packers, it's a little different because they have guys who are, you know, rightfully good starters ahead of him, right? Like he, it's not like, you know, and it was, was at Iowa where the, the, the lesser talented guys are on the field because they're, they're just older and that's how it goes. But the more, the more I dug in, um, once he was drafted, cause again, when you're doing the draft, it's just hard to get through like, you know, 10 games of a guy, you know, right. but the further you get in, it's just like, no, every week he's just literally overwhelming people. Cause he's just that much stronger than everybody. And yeah. I think you made a great point that Ryan, that like everybody's loves the shiny new toys at the skill positions. Because yeah. we drafted so many. So there's like all this hype of because, oh man, we draft all these guys. Like, look at the tight ends. That's fair. And it's like all these flashy things at a car show where 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 Van Ness is just going to be probably just be the best pick that Green Bay makes, especially because everybody wanted Kincaid or JSN instead of him. That's yeah. often how it goes with the Packers in these picks. It's a, it's just especially when people wanted really wanted somebody else, like really badly wanted somebody else. That so you go, oh yeah, that just it's it it works. He's just the best pick they made. It was, it was really a no doubter when you kind of widened your vision a little bit on things. It didn't hone in on one, on one specific position for the Packers to select. It just feels like if, if Preston Smith wasn't there, rookie of the year votes. I, yeah. I really think that would be the case. Van Ness got two fan votes, one from Jeff Machete. He said, Lucas Van Ness is a clone to Rashawn Gary. I kind of see it. I think he's more of a young J.J. Watt, but I I see the Rashawn Gary uh, similarities. Says he's a tremendous step-to-power guy who's going to be scary when he develops a pass rush repertoire. And then Carter H. says simply Van Ness for Defensive Rookie of the Year. So I like it. I I like the Max Crosby comp. Somebody threw that out at one point, (laughs) and I really like that one um, as well. I just think. You know, Crosby's got the wicked spin move. I think Van Ness can get there, but it's, it's nowhere close. <laughs> I just think athletically, lengthwise, power-wise, like, it's it's but there. It is there. Does he need the spin move, though? Because couldn't he, he just probably won't need pick it, up the no. dude and throw him? I don't him? think so. I, mean, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> See, that's do the that difference. Like, when Ryan said it, it's like he moves different, right? Like, guys yeah. like Enic Barre, they have to have the plan because they're not – athletically right. gifted enough to just run around or through or whatever. Like, they, you, ha- you have to have a plan. Right, and that's that's often how it goes with a lot of these like more artists and pass rushers. They aren't freaks. Van Ness is a freak. He probably, yeah. he's, he's going to have opportunities, you know, to get better in that area. 
you just got to overwhelm you. My only recommend my some of those. Go ahead. I was just going to say the the only thing I would ask is that if he does develop a spin move, if we could just call it the twirl, that would be great. Why the twirl? The office. Don't worry about it. Go on. It was stupid. Just go ahead and do your thing. <laughs> oh dang it! There'll be Wait, plenty of others who get that? that. Which episode is that? <laughs> that was when uh, Michael Scott was going to give his speech, and he spun around oh, yeah. and like did the guns, <laughs> oh. and they were like drop the twirl, and he's like, it's not even a twirl, it's a spin. <laughs> I might do the spin. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. That was awesome. Look, if, if he if he develops the twirl, I mean, <laughs> yes. what advice can you give to your tackle? Just good luck. <laughs> hang in hang in there for dear life and you know, hey, we're gonna get some holding penalties. Oh well. I think the only thing I you could say to your you tackle do. is I hope you're Trent Williams. That's probably it. That's <laughs> yeah. I think that's all I'm gonna say on that. <laughs> If you're not, sorry, it stinks. I hate that we have to play Trent Williams as often as we do. Anyways, moving on. All right. Uh, my last pick is Devontae Wyatt. Um, uh, last year, this was like my dude in the draft, and I, I was just crushed and heartbroken when we took Quay Walker. Not because I disliked Quay, but I just thought there was no way that Devontae was going to make it six picks to the next time we were on the clock. So the fact that we got him at 28 just – I was so happy. Then we signed Jaron Reed and I had to watch Devante sit behind Jaron Reed all year. And I just, it just made me so angry <laughs> and watching our defensive line last year. And, you know, and you hear, and uh, I'm not, you know, singling you guys out if you have said this, but I hear other people say all the time that they're, you know, concerned about our defensive line. And I just, I can't get there. I don't, no share those same concerns. I'm like, dude, I don't think it's a negative that we don't have Jaron Reed other than like, you know, from a depth standpoint of if we have a few injuries and like we're missing all the guys that I want on the field. I don't think that it's a negative that Jaron Reed and Dean Lowry are, are gone, even though I did like Dean Lowry. Devontae Wyatt was already the best graded uh, defensive tackle on the team last year. And that's not saying a lot because the second highest guy graded guy was Kenny Clark with a 66 overall grade, 53 friggin' run defense grade, 47 tackling grade. <laughs> Anyways, my prediction for Devonte Wyatt is I think he will again be the uh, highest graded defensive tackle on the team. Uh, I think, you know, looking at his season last year, uh, a lot of his best graded games came late in the year when he was getting more attempts. Uh, he did, you know, the, the one uh, stinker game that he had was week 12 against Philadelphia. Our entire defense just had no idea what they were doing that whole day. He turned in a 36.8 grade against Philly that day. It was his worst performance of the year. He had his only missed tackle of the season. Um, but I mean, the dude's stats last year in the limited time that he was out there on the field were really darn good. He only played about a hundred uh, run defense snaps, a hundred pass rush snaps. He had nine solo tackles, four assists, a forced fumble, five run stops, two sacks, five hurries, one hit, eight total pressures. He was kind of a force when he was out there. And I think that, you know, it's a position Matt LaFleur has talked about it a bunch. Jerry Montgomery, bless his soul, has talked about it a bunch that this is a, you know, one of the harder positions in their opinion 
in the NFL to learn is how to play, you know, uh, interior defensive line. I think having that year under his belt is only going to be a good thing for him. There's kind of just nobody in his way. And he has been kind of the monster we were hoping to see so far all preseason, just manhandling everybody he goes up against, um, you know, family night, just making, uh, who was, it was, uh, Zach Tom and Josh Myers. I think he made their lives hell that day. So just every time I see him, you know, there, there's, uh, there's guys on this team who I'm really hyped up about, and then you see him and it's like, eh, some good, some bad, not Devonte Wyatt. Every time I see anything from him, I'm like, yep. Okay. This is what I was hoping to see from him at this point. You're just kind of confirming the optimism that I placed in you. So Devontae Wyatt, I think he's going to, by the end of the year, have kind of just played to a point where that sort of question cloud surrounding him right now that people have is going to have evaporated. There's just not going to be any question about like, yeah, Kenny and Devontae, like those are the dudes. Uh, I think, you know, Devontae, I think he is going to play at a higher level than Kenny will. Now, Kenny had a higher pressure rate, so that's the one area where I want to see Wyatt catch up to him. But he's already ahead, you know, in a from a grade standpoint everywhere else last year. So uh, this is kind of where I'm looking to see uh, the improvement is um, in his overall pressure rate. His pass rush grade was really good, 71 Last year, uh, that's the the one area where he was, you know, as I mentioned, behind Kenny was in both pressures and pressure rate uh, or uh, pressure grade. Sorry, he's behind Kenny, but everywhere else, I, I think that um, you know, my my stance here, my prediction is that he is going to maintain that high level of play that he had last year and have fewer of the you know sort of the bottom falling out of everything games like he had last week or last year in week. 16 against Miami and week 12 against Philly. Those are kind of the, the two stinker games that, you know, prevented him from having a, a really elite grade on the whole season. So he's my dude. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, first of all, I was, I was, he's the only person that I've ever had a draft draft crush on that the Packers picked. So I'm, I'm super stoked about Devonte Wyatt, but and the, the crazy. Oh, well, yeah, I guess that, that was like in the last two weeks, but, um, <laughs> cause SIS said he was great and I'm like, Oh, all right. Um, no, but, but the, the crazy thing about Wyatt is it's not just that he's winning a lot. The ratio of pass rush wins to pass rushes where he pancakes an offensive lineman feels like it's one to one. I mean, he doesn't just win. He freaking obliterates people. Like I'm, I'm offensive linemen are doing backward somersaults every single time I'm, I'm seeing highlights of Devonte Wyatt. So, I mean, he, he is a special kind of human. And then the other cool thing I was looking at, if you look at how he finished the season, right? He had eight pressures on 111 attempts. That's not super great. But of those eight pressures, five of them came in the last four weeks. And if you just look at those last four weeks, it was a almost 14% pressure rate. So, I mean, he, he really started to come on strong. And that was when he started actually getting more opportunities. He didn't even crack 10 um, or, or 20 snaps or whatever until week 12 against Philadelphia. So... Yeah, the only reason I didn't re- thirty snaps a game in the last three weeks. Right, right, yeah. So, so he's already getting ramped up, and and maybe that honestly has something to do. I mean, I know we drafted some guys, but why we got rid of the guys that we got, right? If why it's no good, we might need to hang on to Lowry for another year or something, you know. So, um, 
No, but I, I, the only reason I didn't want to touch Wyatt is because I think everybody sees it and we're, we're all starting to get excited about it. But there's every reason to because he's he's reminding me a little bit of Rashawn when he got into camp and there were just reports that like Bakhtiari cannot stop Zadarius and Rashawn. It's just they, they, they can't stop him. And that's what we're hearing about Wyatt right now in camp is basically nobody can stop the guy. I I uh, I see that other people are high on him. And it just didn't chase me away because I yeah. feel like I was driving that bus all year last year. And so I feel like I deserve to still have the keys to that bus this year. I'm going to just keep <laughs> still driving my that bus. same bus from last year. <laughs> I painted it. I restored it. My bus. <laughs> Get off my bus. <laughs> so uh, you guys uh, why it's had... Why a freak? Really quick. Why it's a freak? I mean, like legitimately, like the athletic, like measurables and all that compared to Quinton Williams. Um. And we know how good Quentin Williams has become. It took him time, though, which I think JG pointed out. It's a it's a tough position to learn because in college, you can just be like, well, I can just overwhelm people. I can just, yeah. you know, attack, right? Like, they're asking me to just, you know, this is my gap. I'm attacking it. Like, I'm getting upfield. There's not a lot of, like, you know, they're not focused really on, on a lot of gap integrity, even though it is still Georgia. They just know they're bigger, stronger, faster than everybody that's going to be in front of them. So they don't really, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to be as technical necessarily. And, and that's where the learning curve starts. But like if, if there was no Jordan Davis in that draft, we'd be talking about Devonte Wyatt's athletic measurables a ton because he was just, he was, he was near that level in terms of the freakish nature of, of, of how he plays. And that, I mean, the 10 yard splits better than a ton of edge rushers, right? Like, you know how good he is as a pass rusher. And that's, you know, I, I it's <laughs> coming to fruition. I agree. It, it, the bus is huge, but I, JJ, you have, you have the keys. So. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we are we are over an hour at this point, uh, but you guys had mentioned that you wanted like a, an honorable mention section. So the floor is yours for either one of you. If there's anybody that you want to shout out, um, you know, that you think deserves honorable mention before we wrap up. Well, I would, um, without, you know, combing over too many people, the only person I would probably shout out is Quay. I think maybe deserves some some love on this. Um I think he looks really good. I mean, we, we already know how talented and athletic he is, um, but his movement ability just in the little bit that we've seen him, and I think the second year in the system, um, I, I genuinely expect a, a relatively sizable leap. And, and, and having Devondre there with him, I think, just helps a ton. He doesn't have to put the whole defense on his back. And really everybody. I mean, the corners, you know, they're so um, intelligent and and um, and uh, talented as well as the guys up in front of him. So he's in such a great situation, and I think he's going to have, with a better understanding, the ability to just put that athleticism to work. And um, I hate to say, like with so many people, I expect a big jump, but I, I really see him and expect um, uh, uh, for him to be a established quality linebacker amongst Packer fans this year. Yeah, at a lot of positions, it makes sense to expect a huge jump, though, because we're shedding, you know, old vets yeah. who were hogging up a bunch of snaps. And, like, now you got all these young freaks who have been waiting their time who are unblocked. So a huge jump makes perfect sense at, you know, basically every position except for linebacker. You know, you could apply that argument. Um, I, I do still think Quay is going to have a great year, but, you know, he's, he's kind of the one young guy who just wasn't blocked at all. Yeah, I, I would echo that. I think a lot of it with linebacker is, is so much um, when you get to the league, everything 
I almost said it starts here. I, I forget where this is audio only. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's eyes and it's, and it's trusting like what you have learned and all the experience you have. Like there is such a difference with, again, it's the Georgia defense. Guess what? Walker's going to have a lot of free lanes. Why there are three effing studs in front of him, like three dudes who went in the first, you know, and, and two of them were top 15. Like this is, you know, He's going to be able to run chase and just run through people because he's that fast and that strong. But again, all all of the deception, all of the the window dressing that's thrown at linebackers nowadays in, in this in this league, you can look to pretty much any offense. It's it's so much of like, all right, I've seen this before. I know they're trying to get me in this way. I need to be able to be disciplined and I need to stay where I need to be. This is either I'm dropping into this area. This is where I need to cover, or this is my gap. I'm not getting taken out of it. I'm not going to overrun things because, you know, my eyes got big seeing a ball carrier and thinking I can go catch him. So a lot of it is just eyes and, and just again, trusting what you've learned to again, maintain gap integrity in a defense. That's going to need you to maintain that because again, if if Slayton is just out there for a limited amount of time, which is entirely possible, it's going to be up to kind of the linebackers to kind of step up and say, all right, we need to be a part of, you know, limiting this early down success on the ground. Like this is our job. And so I think obviously Campbell's going to sh- shoulder a ton of that load, but Walker's going to have to as well. And I think, you know, it, it, it's a perfect guy to shout out here at the end. I had uh, just two guys that I did want to talk about a bit. One if I didn't have huge questions about if he's going to be able to play at all this year, Eric Stokes would be a guy that I'd be driving the bus for because I kind of think, you know, I'm zagging when everybody's zigging, <laughs> uh, you know, his, his rookie year. I think people maybe make a little bit too much of what he did. And last year, I think they're kind of overly down on what he did. I, I, I guess I just, I'm not, not as high on his rookie season, not as low on his sophomore season as a lot of folks are. And I know that he has talked about his own frustrations and disappointments with how his, his year two went, but you know, some of the uh, predictive analytics, you know, looking at, at Eric Stokes, he was one of the stickier corners in the NFL last year when he did play. Um, I, I just, I think that there is still some untapped stuff there that, that I really would like to have been able to, you know, see last year and this year. And I, I just don't know, you know, at what point he's going to be healthy enough to actually get out there on the field and, and be at a hundred percent again. And then Romeo, Romeo Dobbs is the other guy who um, I just had a little prediction about him. I think he's going to lead the team in targets. I don't think that's a really wild prediction. I think, you know, a lot of people would have that expectation just based on the chemistry he has with, um, Jordan Love and the fact that you know we're expecting Christian Watson to really be stretching and Luke Musgrave, Luke Musgrave and Christian Watson just stretching defenses like crazy. And hey, you know what? If you're going to force defenses to choose, they're going to choose to give up a you know shorter, easier completion to Dobbs as opposed to listen. <laughs> if that ball gets in Christian Watson's hands, it's probably going to the house. So you know, do what you can, you know, to make sure that doesn't happen. I think that's just going to create a lot of opportunities for Dobbs who already has the special connection with Jordan love. So, you know, I'm not as high on uh, Dobbs's uh, skill set and athletic build, you know, makeup as some folks are, but I really, not only do I think there's a, a good opportunity for him in this offense, I also really like the way that he's just kind of 
has a ferocious tenacity to the way that he is approaching his job and just, you know, the way he puts in, you know, 99 to 100% effort seemingly at all times. I just look at the guys behind him who are trying to get playing time and I'm like, hey, good luck catching up to Dobbs because he had a head start on you and he is working harder than anybody else out there. So, you know, you're really going to have to especially catch up to him is, is all I'm saying. Dobbs is one of those guys that you're like, when he beats you in anything, you're just so darn frustrated that he beats you. Because <laughs> you're like, you're not faster than me, right? You're you're not like, right. you know, you're not this freak athlete. You're not like dominating me. Like you're just, you're finding a way to beat me. And it's it's just, I'm so frustrated that you keep beating me. <laughs> That's the type of player that Dobbs is. And I, I really like that about him. He's the kind of player that makes Justin Jefferson hit referees in the back of the neck with a helmet. <laughs> just like, how does this guy keep beating me? <laughs> don't get it i forgot about that that was hilarious and he didn't even he didn't even get a flag did he no. nothing no, i was accidental i i didn't mean to swing my helmet you know yeah. <laughs> directly into your spine yeah, I, it, just, <laughs> it just flew out of my hand man yeah i can't control all right uh out of my control <laughs> at jake nfl draft on twitter the it's always draft season podcast on the packernet podcast network if you want to follow chat GPT is at pack underscore daddy and you can catch him on the Packernet podcast. I am JJ Leahy. Thank you for tuning in. Have a good one.